0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the 300th episode of Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer, Jonathan Strickland, you know, Jonathan, 300 episodes, this is madness.
1: This is tech stuff. All right, now that I've kicked Chris down a well, <laughs> we can, oh, he climbed up, man, that dude has got some serious forearm strength. Actually, it was all uh, the fingertips. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's a baller. So we're going to talk today about something that we've had requested pretty much since episode one. Yep. Yep. And it's, it's
0: an involved topic. We could, we could talk about any one of the sub things we're about to talk about for an entire episode of, of tech stuff. So I think we're going to give, give this sort of an overview.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk today about programming languages. And to really get us started, I have a quote here from CAR Hoar. H-O-A-R-E. Oh, okay. And he says, I conclude that there are two ways of constructing a software design. One way is to make it so simple that there are obviously no deficiencies. And the other way is to make it so complicated that there are no obvious deficiencies. (laughs) And, yeah, we're going to talk about programming languages, and that does apply to programming languages. Now, first of all, you might ask, why do we have programming languages? Hey, Jonathan. Yeah, Why do we have programming languages? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Chris, because I was going to have to wait around a long time before the emails started coming in. Uh Yeah, the reason why we have it is because machines understand a very – well, on the surface, a simple language, but it's one that humans are not able to read easily. Machine code is not something that humans easily read. Right. And uh ultimately when you get down to it, a
0: computer understands basically two things – on and off.
1: Yeah. Uh, now, the, the type of machine code is dependent on the kind of machine. And when we say machine code, that doesn't necessarily just mean computers.
0: No, no, not at all.
1: Yeah, because the first machine codes were really for things like looms, right? Looms. Looms and player pianos. Were, that's another example. That's a machine code that the coding translated to which notes played when.
0: Yes. Uh If you will remember a long time ago, we talked about how looms uh, were – mechanical looms were programmed by using punched cards. Yeah. Um, and this was done hundreds of years ago now. Yeah, yeah. Um So basically the loom would follow the instructions on the card. Where there was a hole, it would do one thing. And when there was a non-hole, it would – not do that thing right exactly. again one or zero
1: yeah exactly uh it
0: also led to the first episodes of sabotage yes sabo being a shoe that someone would throw in the loom to break it because yeah. they didn't want their jobs taken over by the machines yeah you, ah, you had, times, had times haven't changed
1: manual weavers who uh did not want to be displaced by an automatic loom. Unbelievable. Yes, it was. Un- <laughs> I, I thought I could get through that, but I couldn't. Yeah. So yeah, machine code is this stuff that that again, machines can understand. Humans humans can understand it. Don't get me wrong. It's just it takes so much effort to understand it that it's not efficient for humans to to write in machine code. Oh, I know people who can read binary. I'm not one of them. But right. Can- right. Yeah. And there, there are people out there who are have like, oh what to me, would seem a mysterious gift to be able to read and write in machine code in a way that, you know, I, I just can't comprehend. Um, so programming languages are a way of uh, of addressing that problem. It's it's an attempt to create a language that is easier for humans to uh, to comprehend and to create a set of instructions for a machine that don't require you to think in machine code.
0: Yes, yes. Um, I am actually, I have actually been taking a, uh, a Python class. Yeah. Over the past few weeks. Not um, Monty. Right. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, that's where it got its name. Apparently. Did it really? Yeah. Uh, huh. Python is, we'll get into this later, but uh, I just want to set this up. Uh, Python is an object-oriented programming language. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm actually in lessons with, uh, the instructor is, uh, Scott Turnbull, uh, who's a, who's a friend. And, uh, he was explaining that it's not, It's not that you're. People are afraid to learn programming languages because they seem kind of complex. Yes, but it's not that it's not that you're not smart enough. He he says Uh, it's actually that you're not dumb enough, because the computer doesn't really understand things, and the the computer language is there to to be sort of an interface between you and the computer to give it specific instructions because it doesn't know what you're trying to do. You have to be very specific. And that's what the languages are trying to do. But the, the thing is that depending on the machine, as Jonathan was saying before, and depending on what you're trying to do, uh, people keep writing new languages because yeah. one – language may be too sophisticated for the particular kind of machine, or as machines become more sophisticated, you might need something to take advantage of that where you can really use the capabilities of those machines.
1: Yeah. If you look at some of the older programming languages, they just weren't designed to, to deal with the operations that modern machines can, can uh, execute. And so you end up having to, if you're using those older languages, the programs get more and more complex and larger and larger because you have to have more lines of code in order to facilitate these operations um, or you have a, a language that's so complex that it takes you three days just to figure out how to write one line of code to get what you what you want done done mm-hmm. so yeah it's a little um it's a little daunting for the the layman uh, from a high level point of view there are two main features that programming languages have to have, uh, or that all languages really have. Um, And these are not the only two features, but two main features. One is uh, semantics, which is the meaning of what you are saying. Uh And then the other is syntax, which is the form of what you're saying. Yes. And the syntax and the semantics together are kind of the set of rules that you have to follow in order for a language to be understandable. And that really goes for human languages as well. Yes, yeah. All words, languages.
0: Words have to go in a certain order for somebody else to understand them.
1: Right. And, and you can play with that a little bit and humans are still able to understand it. For example, so if you sp- speak like Yoda. That's exactly what I was thinking when you said that. Right. You, if you hear Yoda talk in the Star Wars movies, you know, Yoda has his own syntax. He, he throws words in, in, in odd, uh, odd uh, order all the time. Particularly more in the prequels, I noticed. His syntax got funkier the younger he was. As he got older, I I guess he cut that crap out. Anyway, so... uh, (laughs) Nice. Frank Oz is in the uh, office, everyone. Uh, So, yeah, uh, humans can actually deal with a little variation in syntax. Computers, not so much. New. Computers are not good at adapting to new situations. They have to, you know, you have to be able to program it in a way that it makes sense to the computer right so it can't really interpret if you start messing with the syntax yeah there are um two main categorizations i would say for for programming languages there are low-level programming languages and high-level programming languages yes now a low-level programming language is one that is based on mnemonic devices that are uh, uh Easy for or relatively easy for humans to understand and remember and they are but they correspond very closely with machine code so it's almost like you're programming in machine code but it's just a slight tweak from machine code so that it's not as monumental a task to remember you know which what is you know what makes up the letter a
0: uh-huh.
1: as opposed to the you know the 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 group of zeros and ones that would normally. Uh, use that in, in, say, binary code. So um, assembly language is an example of a low-level computing language. Ah, yes. So if you were to write something in assembly, you'd be writing it in a mnemonic style that closely uh, models machine language. Now, high-level programming languages introduce a concept called abstraction. Mm -hmm. Now, abstraction means you step a little further away from these these specific steps the computer has to go through in order to, to, uh, execute the operation you're, you are telling it to do. And you can get a little more free with the language. Now, the, the biggest, uh, advancement would be if you created some sort of natural language, computer language, Mm -hmm. where you would just type in a sentence and the computer would be able to interpret that as an actual command. So, you know, you would type in, uh, I need you to add these two numbers together, and then I need you to add this set of numbers together, and then I need you to add both sums together, and then I need you to give me an average. You know, if you just type that in, then the computer, if it had a way of interpreting natural language, would give you the result you wanted. But we aren't really there, right? Well, let me let me take this from the opposite side here for sure. just a
0: moment. You don't necessarily want that because
1: <clears throat> hit me with it.
0: Because, uh, again, as Scott says, programming can be really repetitive. Yeah. So you're not going to want to type out, um you know, I want you to add these two numbers together. Right. And then, you know, you want it to actually be as simple as possible. Right. So um, cut it down you don't want it to be literally like that. Right, um, right, right. Just to, and I know you know that, but I want to make it sort of clear that it's not, you want it to be, To express that sentiment in as few words as possible because you're probably going to have to type out the exact same kind of thing many, many, many times over the course of writing a program.
1: Yeah, and and if you were to write a a complicated program in assembly language, you would discover that it's going to be enormous. It's just going to be lines and lines and lines of code because – with assembly language, you are telling the computer what to do step by step. And when I mean what to do, I'm talking about not just telling it which operations to use, but when to access memory, where it has to access it, what information it has to pull up. I mean, every single set of instructions you can think about, you would pretty much have to include there. And the computer, if you don't tell it to do something, the computer will not do it. So think of it like a two-year-old. Do okay, I so have you gotta, to? Yeah. All right. So Chris, you've, you've had experience with two-year-olds. Yes. So let's say you tell your two-year-old – this is like a Bill Cosby routine. In fact, this is a Bill Cosby routine. You tell the two-year-old, all right, uh, you need to go upstairs, take a shower, and go to bed. No, you can't do that because if you just tell the kid to go upstairs, take a shower, and go to bed, the kid goes upstairs, gets in the shower fully clothed, turns on the water, then turns off the water, then gets into bed soaking wet. So what you have to do is say, all right, walk up the stairs, open the door to the bathroom. Go inside the bathroom, close the door to the bathroom, take off your clothes, get in the shower, turn on the water, wash, shampoo, rinse, get out of the shower, et cetera, et cetera. You have to give it every single instruction or else it skips steps. Uh, or in, in the case of computers, it may not skip steps. It may just say, well, I don't know what to do because you haven't told me. Well, see, I, I uh – uh I don't know that that's necessarily
0: true of all two-year-olds. I have yeah. difficulty weaning mine from the iPad long enough to do anything. Right. But um,
1: yeah. I'm. But you're you're familiar with the Cosby routine I'm talking about. I
0: right? am, and that of course, well, you know, being a stand-up or sit-down comedian in his case, yeah. Uh, you know, he exaggerates a, a tiny bit, but you're 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 on to something, and it also reminds me a little bit of the uh, text games.
1: Yeah. Where yes. you have to be
0: very specific, it's like no open the door and go in
1: right well yeah the text-based games that, that Chris is talking about there were these these games that like uh, info games used to do like mm-hmm. uh, games that were all uh, they would give you a, a, a paragraph of text that would explain the situation and then you would type in what you wanted to do next and go left right and there might <laughs> go left correct there might be a uh, there might be a very specific way that the game will Allow you to move forward. And if you type in something that's similar to that, like let's say you type in go north, but the game would only recognize walk north, even though both of those things mean the same thing. You know, if you don't type in the right command, right? The same thing to us. It means the same thing to us. Doesn't mean the same thing to the computer because it just doesn't, it doesn't have that vocabulary. So assembly language, like I said, is more or less the step by step set of directions for a computer. So. Uh, That's a low level language. The high level languages, the abstract languages, get a little more free because you have a, a, you have a sort of a step between the programming language you've built a program in and that the way the computer actually executes the code. There's a, there's a step in between there which can vary depending upon which programming language you're using. Um, so, whereas in the first example, you know, I have to go and tell the two-year-old step-by-step what needs to happen in order for the desired result to to come out. With a high-level language, because we've previously defined certain uh, uh, operations and certain data sets, because that stuff has been defined previously, I might have the freedom to say, go upstairs, take a shower, go to bed. Mm -hmm. And then the computer, because those that set of data and the set of operations have been previously defined, will know to follow it step-by-step, even though I did not – Lay it all out piece by piece by piece.
0: Yeah, the more sophisticated languages will let you uh, define those parameters. Yes, you might say, "I've got, I want you to do these fifteen things," and you're going to have to do these fifteen things seventy-five times over the course of this. Well, you might be able to to create uh, um, a str- you know a basically a string of commands mm-hmm. and say, "When I say do this, that means make all these fifteen things happen." Right. So that. It's it's essentially like a shorthand. Yeah, yeah.
1: you're uh, you're it's going like any you s- macro.
0: Yeah, oh, exactly. That's a better. That's even better. Um, so you're going okay. So every time, so at first you might have to do some some defining. Yeah, you're gonna have to to explain uh, in the language what you want these these things to do. Yeah, and then it will be able to execute those those steps. But you know, it hasn't really always been that way. Um, True. there are many, many languages, uh, some of which are, are now
1: famous. Um, some of which people still need to know because there are legacy systems out there that still run on these languages. Uh, yeah, I, I have a friend who, uh, um,
0: works for a, is a programming, uh, uh, programmer. And she basically said, yeah, I, I work with a language that not only is it older than I am, but it has been mothballed for almost as long as I've been alive. Uh, wow. And the only reason they use it is because we're using these computers, and this is the language they understand. Do you
1: happen to know which one it was? No,
0: I don't. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, there's a, there are thousands of programming languages yeah. out there, which is one of the reasons why we can't really do a, a full episode on programming languages. Yeah. Period, because there are a lot of flavors, and they do, they you know they, they they take a lot of different approaches to programming. Now, their goal is pretty much the same across the board. The goal is to create. A language that is easy for humans to program in, in such a way that they can build applications for computers. But some of these are designed with specific applications in mind. Uh-huh. Some of them are things like business applications or banking applications and, uh, or air traffic control systems, systems that have uh, a very specific set of parameters that you would want to program for. And then the others are more freeform, right? That uh-huh. designed for programs that maybe don't have as specific a use scenario. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of interesting to talk about the history of these. Um, there's actually uh, – I wanted to mention before we really get into it, I found a, a kind of neat timeline. It's an interactive timeline oh. uh, uh, that um, – you can move your cursor around the timeline. The timeline itself is miniaturized. So when you look at it, it just looks like a white bar with some gray shading in it. Uh huh. And it turns out the reason for that is because it's an enormous timeline. And so when you move your cursor, it zooms in, I don't know, it's got to be like 20 times or something in order for you to actually read what the, uh, the, the, the various languages are. But it said, uh, you can find that at www.md. L-E-V-E-N-E-Z dot com slash L-A-N-G. So Levenez dot com slash Lang. Okay. And, uh, and it's a neat, it's a neat timeline. I really do recommend you checking it out if you're interested in seeing sort of the development of uh, programming languages, especially if you want to see which ones were descended from the earliest languages. Uh huh. Because uh-huh. that's, it, it's kind of like a family tree, except it's, it's laid out uh, horizontally as opposed to vertically. Right, right now um when I, I i'm
0: i'm old enough to remember when people used some of the older languages, so well do you, you know say, what the
1: oldest one is um uh, the the oldest yeah one? the what is credited as the oldest language, even though it was not implemented <laughs> until nineteen ninety eight
0: for for computer programming languages. yes no actually i don't
1: it is called Planka wow, what a catchy name planka it was developed by Conrad Zuza. Uh, it was for the Z3 computer. Oh man, the Z3. Yeah. So program, it was created back around 1944 or so in the, so this is a German computer in the forties. Uh, it was created, but not implemented. So the language was never actually used until 1998 or 2000, somewhere around there.
0: Yeah. This is the Z3 came up on a way earlier podcast. That that was before the uh, 300s. Oh, wait, this is the first of the 300s. So but if, yes. you,
1: if you're talking about the first, you know, sort of commercially available um uh, programming language that wasn't just for a very specific proprietary device and that's all it was for. Because yeah. there were some things. Oh, like, yeah. There are programming languages that are unique to a specific piece of hardware. Yeah. But you were talking about a different one. I was
0: – the first one that, that – uh, comes to mind when yeah. I think of historical languages is Fortran,
1: right? Which was uh, we talked about that a little bit in our our epic series on IBM.
0: Yeah, John Backus actually helped create the language mm-hmm. in ni- in 1957. Yep. So actually, it wasn't that long after the uh, Z three. I think they actually away.
1: started developing it even earlier, like in oh, yeah. the the early 50s. But but yeah, 57 was the introduction to uh, the market.
0: Yep. Yep. and it's uh, you know there are still people who program in Fortran. I would imagine. Yeah,
1: there's some legacy systems out there running on Fortran.
0: Yeah, you yeah.
1: know, I mean, the, the, here's the other thing is that if you create a, a business or any really, if you create any system that's dependent upon a legacy system, it's really hard to move off of that system because you know the modern systems may not be able to emulate the old system, and so you have to keep supporting something that is otherwise obsolete and perpetually. Unless you just completely revamp the way you do things. And that's, that's intimidating. It's a tough thing to do.
0: Yeah. I, I can't imagine anyone, uh, booting up their IBM system stroke 360 and, yeah. uh, starting to run a Java app yeah. on it. I just don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> Probably not. Um, another one of the, the languages uh, I was thinking about. Um, there are three really that come to mind. Like when I think of old programming languages, I so know uh-huh. tons of others. COBOL is another one, which yep. is the uh, common business-oriented language, mm-hmm. um, which is very business-heavy.
1: Yeah, it was a procedural language that was designed for programming business applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, COBOL was one of those programming languages that be- that came into demand again about a little over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? What happened a little over a decade ago?
0: Hmm, I'm thinking you're probably talking about the, uh, major world-shaking event that was the Y2K problem.
1: Exactly. There were a lot of legacy systems that were running COBOL. They were running COBOL programming. You know, it was, it was, they, the systems themselves were programmed in COBOL. And we were coming up on the Y2K problem, which, if you guys don't remember, was the issue of the date not, uh, it was only the date was being expressed as a two digit number, which meant that when nine nine became zero zero, that some of these systems might interpret that to mean that the year is no longer is not two thousand, but is nineteen hundred, right? Because right. it presupposes the first two digits were one nine, and
0: yeah, that's actually sort of important because um, you know not only do programmers look for ways to be very concise uh, when a lot of people were programming in COBOL when it was first released and. 1959, um, you had to be as simple and precise as possible because, uh, you know, a thumb drive, a flash drive has more memory than those machines had at that point.
1: Yeah, your supercomputers back then were pitiful compared to the handheld devices we have today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So they had to, you know, lopping off the first two digits of the year uh, don't need them. That's two extra digits I don't have to worry about. Well, yeah,
1: and and you got to remember also these guys when they were programming, they knew that the field they were in. And when I say these guys, there were female programmers too, For, all the way sure. back in the day. But all of these people, they knew back when they were getting into it that this was a field that was evolving rapidly. Um. There were a lot of different people working on programming languages and, and operating systems. The sky was the limit. I mean, there was nowhere to go but, but up and out. I mean, it was just brand new frontier. And I don't think anyone thought we're still going to be dependent upon this old system, you know, three or four or five decades from now. Where this will be a problem. By then, we'll be on totally different systems, and this stuff will be a long-forgotten memory. It's just this is the stepping stone for us to get there, not thinking, no, there are going to be companies out there still using these old systems because the the business reality is that you can't revamp every – with every new development, uh, new technological development.
0: As the old folksy saying says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So if it's still
1: working – And even if it is broken – I'm looking at my laptop.
0: All right. Yeah. The other one I was thinking about is Pascal. Episode 300 and
1: I still have a broken laptop. Well, uh, <laughs> which came around around 1970. I mean, I'm uh, just saying it's not working at all. Oh, Pascal. I'm sorry. We're on Pascal yeah, now. Well,
0: I was just mentioning it. I mean, I'm leaving out tons and tons of languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, which, which was very popular in the 70s and 80s, which you know, as I was growing up, I just heard a lot of people programming in Pascal. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and it was just a very, very. It was actually sort of a descendant, um, of Fortran, yeah, in some ways. Yep. Um, but you know, also in the 70s, I, I have this feeling we need to to start tightening up because we're probably getting shorter on time. Uh, C. The we? the no C not C C. We? um yeah c the just a letter c, yes, um started to enter usage, and I remember when I got my amiga that a lot of people were starting to get into a descendant of C, you know c plus,
1: yeah, now um, you got c plus plus, yep. Uh, yeah. See, C, see,
0: C. we're hopping but, around types of languages, the, but
1: yeah, the C language was one of those that was kind of intended as a system programming language for uh, uh for the PDP, and then it ended yeah. up kind of exploding beyond that. And some programmers will tell you that it got out of control; that people were using it well beyond what it was supposed to be used for. And that's uh-huh. kind of the, why we had the development of C plus and then C plus plus. These were enhancements to that C programming language to take into account. New capabilities of machines that C just did not support, and uh, you know you could program in C if you wanted to for these these uh, capabilities, but it would mean that your program would have to be that many more lines of code to be able to incorporate all the stuff that you could do now And C plus and C plus plus meant to try and make that a little more elegant, but even then you still have programmers saying that's out of out of uh, control. Um, I do want to backtrack just one second. I want to mention sure. one major. A programming language that was never really meant to be a big programming language. It was meant to be a teaching tool. Uh huh. Basic.
0: Yeah, I, w- I was going to to mention that uh, I did some of my research um, from Britannica. Yeah. And uh, it had listed um, Fortran and C as um, algorithmic languages, and mm-hmm. COBOL as a business-oriented language. But mm-hmm. Basic was definitely and and Pascal too were both education oriented languages. Yeah.
1: Basic stands for beginners, all purpose, symbolic instruction code. Yeah. This uh, is,
0: this is old, uh, by today's standards, you know, mid 1960s. 1960s, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I found a great quote. It's an anonymous quote, so I don't, you know, it's kind of hard to call it a quote in that case.
0: Is this the one you're going to, that you already shared with me? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love this, this quote though. Basic is to computer languages. What Roman numerals are to arithmetic. The idea being that basic (sighs) teaches you the, the, basic principles of programming but was not meant to actually design uh, complex programs right it was just meant to give you the, ba- the the basic essentials but that didn't stop people from actually programming fairly complex uh, applications in basic which meant that you had to create lots and lots of lines of code in order to create these um, these these programs
0: Yeah. My, uh, my first experience in computer programming, actually writing computer programs myself was in Amiga basic, which I used on my Amiga 1000. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember it was, it was every bit as tedious as you might imagine. Yeah, Uh, I did have a lot of friends who coded on, uh, Commodore 64s and VIC twenties for that matter. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were pretty much using basic too. I, as a matter of fact, I, I also can remember the days when you would find basic code in the back of computer magazines.
1: Oh yeah, like, oh yeah, here's a great program and it'll teach you how to do this. Yeah, so. this is a, this is one that will project your birthday indefinitely. Yes, you know stuff like that. You tell, that's handy. Like it would tell you like what day of the week your birthday would fall on from that point forward. That kind of stuff. I mean that's. You know, it sounds kind of silly, but it was teaching people the ba- the basics of computer programming.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there are people who are—I've uh I've read several accounts that there are many people who are in who are programmers today who write amazing stuff. They write the the video games, the three mm-hmm. D video games that everybody loves so much, and they started writing BASIC on their home computer, which was you know a, a tiny little machine.
1: Yeah, like an Apple IIe or something. Yeah, or a Commodore sixty four. Absolutely. Yeah, you've got um. Got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. Yeah, it's kind of – it is it is pretty fascinating. Uh, do, did you have uh, APL on your list? APL? Yeah, it's, it stands for A Programming Language. I'm not joking. Yeah,
0: you know, the computer people really like those – those, uh,
1: yeah, those those acronyms that yeah. when you when you break it down, you're like, come it. on. I, it's it's late in the day on Friday, and I completely not, forgot what that technically is. Technically, it's not an acronym. We're gonna get someone to write in because acronym has to. Spell no, it has up. it has
0: a name, and I'm because I'm hungry, and it's the end of the day. I can't remember what it is. Yeah,
1: we usually do this in the morning, but because this is madness and episode 300, we're actually doing this in the afternoon. Also, I had something else I had to do this morning. So anyway, uh, but yeah, a programming language it was mostly used for accounting packages and. Air traffic control systems, but the thing about APL is that it had an enormous character set. Now, most programming languages use your basic letters, numbers, and symbols for like the things you find on a keyboard—basically ASCII characters. Exactly. APL is not like that. It has a whole set of characters that you are not—you can look at that keyboard all day long. You are not going to find the symbols that appear in in a line of APL code. But because it has this enormous character set, it also is able to uh, incorporate lots of different operations into a single character. So uh, a program that might take five thousand lines of code in some other programming language may only have to take a couple of dozen lines of code in APL if you know the character set. But that character—that I means a huge learning curve, right? I mean, yeah. with this, it's almost as difficult—not really, but you know, from a layman's perspective, it's almost as difficult as programming in machine code itself, just because it's so dense. Um, I actually looked at some code for a program that was an early BASIC program, and I—I and forget how many lines it was, but it was—it was—it was a lot, like a hundred lines, and it had been summarized into a single line of APL code.
0: That's impressive. Yeah,
1: it was—it was. Uh, it was no, I had to take their word for it because <laughs> I don't read APL code, so I can't really tell. Also, this is making me think of uh Jonathan Colton's song, Code Monkey.
0: Oh, uh, yes. Because his,
1: his code is not functional or elegant. Yeah. Well, uh, this is also where hackers come from, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that, besides the physical hacking of a machine, usually you had hackers who would say, I want to make a program that does desired outcome number one. And in order to do that, I'm going to code it this way. And it may not be the most direct or elegant route. It may be kind of kludgy that you make your way through there and you finally get to where you're going, but you took the path less traveled. Robert Frost would have loved your computer program. But, uh, yeah, it, you know, that a lot of hackers learned how to program this way. They would have their, their set outcome and they would program their way to it, but the code might not be the most elegant. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we we should mention too
0: the object oriented yes. type programming languages, which is uh, one of the more modern, I would say, phases of programming and yeah. more common today. Um, not to to skip over any others, I know there's probably other a couple other of the earlier variety that you'd like to mention. But I,
1: I've got one that I'll talk about at the end, but so um, can,
0: but that's but it sort of builds on that idea, yeah. uh, basically that you are uh, it's a way to manage how complex your programming is getting.
1: Yeah, usually if you were to create let's say you create a uh, a program in some in one that's not an object-oriented programming language. Right. Uh
0: you have this basic for example. Yeah,
1: you have the set of data and the entire program has access to that same set of data. Uh-huh. With object-oriented programming, you actually specify in which cases certain certain data gets used and uh-huh. how it is used. Right. So you have very specific methods of dealing with that data and they can only be used in that In that scenario Uh uh, within a program. And this kind of cuts down on the possibility of having these weird coding errors because you you know, because of the rules of the programming language, you cannot misuse data. Uh Uh-huh. At least in theory. (laughs) Give a person enough time, (laughs) they will find a way. Yeah. Right? But yeah. you might be able to speak more to it than I can. Like uh, my knowledge of programming is really from an academic standpoint, but I don't have a lot of experience with it. So did you want to elaborate anymore? Or I, I honestly – that's about as far as I can get in depth for object-oriented programming.
0: Right, right. Well, it's it's hierarchical uh-huh. and it, it basically – it's just a lot more elegant. Simply because, and I don't want you to get the idea that I'm a master programmer or anything like that, but, uh, it is fascinating to be able to build this yourself. It, it does, as you said, get into that hacker, uh, philosophy. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's about taking things apart and trying to make something better with it. Mm -hmm. And of course, those, the people who hack into networks are doing, using the same kinds of tools for, purposes that may or may not be illegal. Yeah. They're, uh, pos- they're, probably are not necessarily moral.
1: All infiltration and manipulation.
0: But of course, uh, you know, they're the ones who get all the press, so they that that's where the negative connotation for hacker gets in. But right. yeah, I mean this is these, these are the more sophisticated languages that you see today. Um, you know, stuff like C. Mm-hmm. Uh Simula actually was the first, according to Britannica in nineteen sixty seven. Uh, but, you know, there are others, you know, Java. These I was about are- to
1: say, I thought Java was at least a semi-object-oriented. Yeah. Programming language. Yeah. And Python.
0: Uh, there are many, many others. Uh, I know that you are interested in one of them just as a, from a historical standpoint. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a it's a governmental
1: language. Is it ADA? Yes, it is. That was the one I was going to mention. Yeah. ADA is the programming language. It was commissioned by the Department of Defense in the 1980s. And the reason for commissioning it was they wanted to have uh, uh, their own computer programming language for their, their systems. And ADA is kind of a descendant of the Pascal language. Yeah. Mm-hmm um love and- you miss lovelace <laughs> uh
0: it's not a lot of people's favorite language i understand it can be uh a little tricky at yeah. times um but you know i it's it's funny shifting between languages uh you know i'm also trying to learn php at mm-hmm. the same time mm-hmm. and some of the cons- constructs in php are completely removed in python as i'm
1: learning and that makes trying to learn two languages simultaneously a little daunting. It's kind of like learning two languages that are related, but not perfectly in sync. Like if you were learning, say, French and Italian, that but would be fairly easy. The rules, the rules are very similar. They right? are. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks, but, Romans. Right, right. But French and Latin might be a little more challenging because right. you have cases in Latin that are no longer used in in modern French speech. So, yeah, the right. further away you get from that common well in this case, Latin is the common <laughs> ancestor. Latin right. is the ancestor to French, but
0: then you can go uh all the way out and say French and Chinese, in which case yeah there's, there's no
1: there's no common ground
0: no, you yeah. don't even you're not even using the same symbols to represent words or Latin and, and say, old
1: Frisian, for example for oh, my, that's for my that's for my old English peeps.:
0: I was going to say you had to bring the Frisian in it.: That
1: was God Kenning, y'all how I roll, great old English style. Um. So, so how are we doing on time? Now, we're, we need to wrap this up. So, yeah, this is a this was our overview, and we will probably at some point go into more depth on specific programming languages. Maybe talk about their development and and what exactly it means to program in those languages.
0: Yeah, yeah. We that was that. This is another one of those topics that's kind of difficult for us to tackle in a lot of depth because there is a lot of there's a lot of breadth
1: to it. There's, yeah. I mean, there's you, a wide variety. I mean, even stuff like HTML, which yeah, – which is not a, really a programming language. Yeah, it's, it's a, a markup language. Markup language. But it shares some similarities to programming languages because it has sets of instructions that tell a computer how to do certain things.
0: Right. And it's – for somebody who might be tempted to try programming but be afraid of it, and you really shouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, But it might be a way to get your feet wet to at least get an idea that, hey, this is what's going on in the back end. Yeah. But when it's on the front end, it looks completely different. It looks right. polished. You don't see any of this stuff. Right, well, that's, right. that's a lot like what actual computer programming is like. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, so it's- yeah, uh, tell you what. Why don't you let us know on Twitter or Facebook if you have specific languages or types of languages? Maybe we can revisit it in more detail. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would encourage people to at least try it out because it's, uh, it can be a lot of fun. And it can be extremely frustrating, but if you like, frustrating
1: things that are fun programming might be for you yeah just just remember at least you don't have to worry about punch cards Oh, and getting man. punch cards out of order, but we talked about punch cards in the past, so that's why I felt good about we felt all right about skipping over that. We didn't talk about compilers either. No, 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 no. But there's so much. I mean, there are entire college courses that are based around just the principles of programming language, there and are then colleges, you
0: have college degrees. College degrees, on.
1: exactly. So uh, summing it all up in a half hour podcast, or in this case, a 38 minute podcast, is a little challenging. So yeah. if you guys want to know more about specific programming languages, like Paulette said, let us know on Twitter or. Facebook. Our handle there is techstuffhsw, or you can send us an email. That address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Happy 300th episode, Chris. Happy 300th to you too, Jonathan. And we hope to talk to you guys again 300 more times really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To
0: learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The House of iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?